you know, you would think after two years of being scammed, just horribly scammed, people would be a little tired of being scammed. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Welcome to Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. Thanks for joining me. There's a lot going on as usual. Two weeks passed and you can't believe what happened two weeks ago. I mean, weren't they, I think they were, we still had a trucker protest going on in Canada two weeks ago. That was the biggest story in the world two weeks ago. Can you believe this? So I can't, you know, there's a lot to go over here. There's a lot of factors at play here. But what we got to remember is that the biggest story is still COVID and the fallout and the vaccines. And that's why the timing of all of this is important. A really, really, really conveniently timed war, that should make everyone skeptical at least. Oh, well, he was just waiting for the Olympics to end. That was the real timing of it. Yeah, well, let's, let's discuss this and let's see if we can kind of notice some irregularities. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. And multiple people had reached out to me being like, what do I make of this? This is what's great about it. I'll tell you what, I didn't, I can't take a lot of credit. Most of us can't personally take credit besides the fact that we were willing and open to hear from information that was being um, suppressed. And it's like over the years, especially when you get into different types of this kind of research in different areas of conspiracy theories, if you want to call them that, is you start to realize that often, at least in the moment, and only later on does it, do people become more willing to accept certain aspects of events as factual or at least suspicious. I'm certain that if it was the year 1964, you know, like maybe a year or less, just a few months after the JFK assassination, and you had even suggested that it was the US government who had something to do with it, that it was the deep state, you know, the CIA, the intelligence communities being involved, you would probably be called un-American, traitorous, If you had even suggested in the aftermath of 9-11 that maybe this wasn't Muslim terror that caused the buildings to fall, maybe it was something different, you would have definitely been called a treasonous, psychopath, piece of shit. You don't even care. People died. And you'll notice, okay, so look, I got so much floating around in my head, so let's just, let's do this. You'll, you'll notice that it's only decades after the fact that people go, huh, that is kind of funny. You know what I mean? When an overwhelming abundance of evidence, contrary to the accepted narrative, is presented, only then will they even be willing to say, well, that's suspicious. They won't even accept it. I mean, look, I always talk about the JFK assassination. If you want to believe the official narrative of what took place, then you have to believe in magic. But that's reasonable to these people. So that's the magic bullet theory. So in order for you to be reasonable and not a loony conspiracy theorist, you have to believe in magic. That's the kind of 
absurdity that we deal with when we talk about these types of situations. And people have been vilified for the past two years, myself included especially. I mean, I have said before, I got duped too initially with the COVID stuff in the beginning for a couple weeks, maybe three or four weeks. I was just like the rest of them. Just like the rest of the slaves, fearful, worried about, you know, what was going on. I mean, look, you know, you if you want, I don't know if I did podcasts during that time. I'm sure I did. I should go back and listen to hear what I was saying in the immediate aftermath of the announcement of the global pandemic. But very quick, quickly realized the scam that it was. And a lot of us came around pretty quickly who are into doing this kind of research because there was just too much going on that was suspicious. Even just the, the, they changed what a pandemic was. You know what I mean? They changed like official definitions of things so they can classify it as a pandemic, for example. That's suspicious. That's a weird thing to do. There were the videos coming out of China of people just dropping dead, things like that. And it was all suspicious and it, and it raised eyebrows, at least among some people who are willing to, because what you realize then is that the information that's being suppressed is probably the most important information. Why else would they be suppressing it? What would they have to worry about? And they always have an excuse. They always have an excuse. Well, it's a public health emergency. People could die because of this dangerous misinformation. Again, it's awfully convenient. And they use this, they use people's morality against them. And it's, it's not, it's a mix. So there's a mix of people who are only concerned with having moral superiority over others. And those people actually take enjoyment in things like COVID and what went on. And when they could go out and be the first ones to get a vaccine to show what a good person they are, it makes them feel good. And it makes them feel that they can put themselves above others. But then they also weaponize morality in the sense that there's a lot of people who weren't taking glee in it or don't feel like they need to be morally superior over other people, but just that they're worried and they're concerned and their fear is driving them to act irrationally and go along with what's happening. And it's not that they think they're better than other people, it's that they're afraid the news keeps telling them that their grandparents are going to die and everyone they love will die because they went to the supermarket and they didn't wear two masks. These sorts of things. And those people are victims. You have to make a distinction between the types of people and like what their motives are. But it's always really convenient. And it's just too easy to say, well, people are dying. Well, people are dying. Your objections are bunk because people are dying. Anything you have to say about this because people are dying, it's, it's like, it gets really emotional and the emotion behind it is, um, it leads people to, to think and act irrationally and they have no patience for dissent. So when these types of things happen, what I've learned to do and what you should have learned to do by now after the... <laughs> the past two years is to seek out the information that's being suppressed and then make your own decision. Now, if you think that you're so, you're, you're so fragile minded that any misinformation or whatever can lead you to 
uh, die or kill people, then maybe you shouldn't. Because some of the stuff that you come across, it's like it is bullshit. But you discern that for yourself. There's people who are scam artists and you discern for yourself where the scam is and isn't. But certainly the people who are being portrayed as reliable sources of information and authoritative sources of information, they are spewing the most bullshit of all. So there's really no... Look, you want to go and get that information. I'm taking a sip. Hold on. You want to go and get the information that's being suppressed. And you want to look at and hear out the people who are giving you a different narrative about events and who are receiving a lot of blowback from the general public. Because what have we learned time and time again, but especially after the past two years of us enduring this, we've learned that the general public can be easily duped. And we should have learned to not trust the general opinion. At least not blindly accept it. And you know what? There's no way it's going to be worse. Like, you say, you know, if you're like me and you're one of these people who didn't get the shot, and you're someone who from early on recognized this for what it was, you've certainly dealt with a lot worse than if you're to say, wait a minute, I don't know about this whole Ukraine thing. I don't really know if we should stand with Ukraine. And notice how quickly, if you're someone who uses Twitter, everyone on Twitter, who for the past two years in their name has had a mask emoji and a syringe in their name, they all of a sudden have a Ukrainian flag there. It's the same people. It's the exact same people. They just changed the programming. And obviously some of those are bots. A lot of them probably are. But it only takes a few influential bots. Accounts that might be fake that you don't realize they are because they have a blue check mark or something. For everyone to just follow suit. So it's the same people. And, and then they're, they're all saying, I stand with Ukraine. I mean, it's like, and a lot of them, again, fall into the same category. Where they are simply doing this to increase the degree of moral superiority that they feel over others. And that's what it's about. It's not about Ukraine. They don't care about Ukraine. They don't care about Russia. I mean, maybe they do because a lot of them are Democrats and the Democrats did a good job of making Russia the greatest public enemy, similar to the way the conservatives hated Russia when it was the Soviet Union and during the Cold War. They've just found a new way to make half of the public hate Russia. And it's not half. It's like half of Democrats. So you're only talking about maybe 10 to 15 percent of the public, but they really hate them. And they really still think that the Russians stole that election from Hillary. I don't doubt that there was some sus shit going on during that election. But if you're going to tell me that there was like that, there was more uh, fuckery going on on Donald Trump's side than on Hillary's side, then you don't know Hillary very well. Which brings us to our next point. 
People want proof and people want evidence right out of the gate. I don't know what's going on on the ground in Ukraine right now. It's hard to tell and there's no good information coming out. There's old videos from even different places in the world. Oh, this city in Ukraine is getting bombed and it's like a video of Somalia from 2017. You see this all the time. There's these fake stories. The ghost of Kiev or Kiev. Have you noticed that too? They changed the spelling of Kiev. It used to be K-I-E-V and now it's K-Y-I-V. Isn't it weird that just as we're gearing up for this conflict, they started changing these little things, the way they say Kiev and the way they spell it? And they did that a few weeks before all of the shit hit the fan. And now they make a distinction. Well, no, that's how the Russians spell it. The Russians say Kiev. The Russians do that. It's so much shit, dude. So people want evidence and people want definitive proof before they're willing to go one way or the other. Or usually the case is more like this. I'm going to believe what the state tells me to believe until presented with irrefutable proof of the otherwise, and then I'm willing to consider that something suspicious is afoot, which relates to what I'm saying about all of these other conspiracies. They wait until there's irrefutable evidence, and then they go, I'll hear you out. And you're like, you know what? I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired. I've been trying to tell you this. I've been trying to tell you this for two years, and only now, oh, so you were saying these vaccines are unsafe. I'd like to hear more about that. I'm like, you know what? Then listen to the old episodes, bro. Like we figured this out, we covered it. And only now are they going, oh, can you believe what's happening? Can you believe it? The vaccines aren't safe. It's exhausting. And this is like the exhaustion that happens when you're on this side of things. It is like on their end, it's just nonstop fear mongering and the fear and stress level is exhausting. And on our end, it's the frustration of knowing what's going on and being met with extreme resistance for a multitude of reasons, among which is people saying, I mean, it's akin to like a child covering their ears and going, la, 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 I'm not listening until they're finally ready to listen. Because even though the narrative may not have changed that much. I mean, they're still not conceding. They're only mildly conceding so far on the vaccine being dangerous. Mostly they're saying, well, maybe the lockdowns weren't so great. Well, maybe the masks didn't work. They're coming around more on those, but the damage is done. We're not worried about another lockdown happening again. That's done with. So it's only, you know, they just struck down a law in Australia, the high court, that said that um, the lockdown rules that they implemented were unconstitutional or unlawful, whatever they do in Australia. And it's like, okay, great, thanks. It's over. It's like two weeks before the whole thing's over and they go, by the way, what you did was wrong for two years. It's like, thanks, but it's over now. Where were you? Took you two years to determine this high court? It took you two years to determine this. Oh, yeah, that shit was unlawful as fuck. Why couldn't you have determined that while the lockdowns were still going on? It would have made a difference. Hang on. I was just taking a sip of water. You know, you know how I do. 
So people want to know what's going on right now, and it's a scam. This is all I can tell you is that it's a complete scam, and there should be enough out there for you to know definitively that it's a scam. And it's these things that it's not going to be, I'm not going to give you a government document you know, I'm not going to give you like a video of George Soros saying we're going to orchestrate a fake war in Ukraine and Russia, even though that video might be out there. Who knows? These people have loose lips. Just look at what Klaus Schwab is doing. He shouldn't be talking so much. If I was in charge, if I was Klaus's boss, I'd say, listen, I know you like getting attention. You got to chill out. You got to stop talking so much because you're actually giving away a lot of the plan. I know we like to gloat, but let's not overdo it. So to me, if I look around and Hillary Clinton is coming out of the woodwork to stand with Ukraine and denounce Russia, if George Soros is standing with Ukraine, if Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are standing with Ukraine, if Barack Obama is standing with Ukraine, if Mitch McConnell is standing with U Ukraine, if Lindsey Graham thinks we need to institute a no-fly zone, then I know it's a scam, you see? Because if the people who hate me and hate you all agree on something, it's probably bad. Does that make sense? I mean, I can't provide to you definitive proof. I'm sure that there are, that there's stuff going on in Ukraine right now. There is an army invading Ukraine. What will be the implications of that? I don't think it'll be that crazy or that big of a deal, to be honest with you, unless it gets escalated by NATO. But we can get more into the specifics in a little. But I just want this to be clear. Why would they be telling the truth now? I feel like I've asked that question so many times about so many different things since I started doing this podcast. Why would they be telling the truth now? Why would they be right now? These are the same people. You thought that the guy on Twitter talking about how he wears a mask while his wife's getting fucked with the syringes in his name, you thought that guy was a clown a few months ago. He still is. He just has a Ukrainian flag in his name now. There's no more syringe. There's just a Ukrainian flag. But now you're, you're on board with it? This is the problem. A sip of water. The problem is, <clears throat> one of the problems is that, you know, for whatever reason, temperamentally, I think conservatives are more susceptible to war propaganda. I don't know what it is exactly. I think they believe more in, you know, like American might and hard power, you know, internationally. And they're very patriotic and they very have a lot of pride in our military so I think they're more susceptible to war propaganda, even when we're not involved. And some of them want us to become involved. And this is like a big blind spot with the conservatives, similar to their um, reverence for the police, which was undermined slightly by um, all of this COVID stuff, because it, mostly what happened with the truckers in Canada, but it's been happening globally, where who's enforcing these things? And who's arresting people and putting them in the camps in Australia? Who's doing that? It's the police. So the veil was, you know, the, what do you call it? What do you say? The veil was, was removed? Did you say that? 
they're seeing the police for what they are a little bit more than they used to. And that blind spot is not such a blind spot anymore. But now we're seeing that this other blind spot of theirs is being um, taken advantage of. And I think the same thing is happening where a lot of people are going, wait, why would I care? Why should I be all worked up about this? And it's because they're seeing this trend now. I just want to drive this point home and anyone who's on the fence, because I know that the people who still listen to this podcast, what I mean is people who have listened to this point, I'm, it was different than it is now. I mean, obviously the last hundred or so episodes have been like this, but it was different before. But those people jumped shit before because they're deeply, deeply hypnotized by this liberal progressive agenda. And so I'm not expecting to be reaching those people. I don't think they listen to the podcast anymore. I don't think they have for some time. But I know that there are people who are more traditionally conservative, Republican conservative, those of you who listen. I think a lot of you are more just independent, non like apolitical. I think that's probably what the majority of you are. But some of you out there are still this kind of traditional conservatism. And you have to be careful because this is targeting you and the liberals. So they're hoping to build a bigger coalition between the Lindsey Grahams and the Mitch McConnells and the Hillary Clintons, you see, because it's finally an area where they can be bipartisan. It's finally an area where they can safely assume the same side, even though it's wrong, whether or not it's right or wrong doesn't determine whether or not they pick a side. It's the interests involved. It's the divide conquer mentality. It's all of that. So it, look, if even if you're one of these traditional conservatives, but even if you're not, if you are on the same side as Hillary Clinton, and I know that she's just one example of so many, but she's a representation of a broader subset of elites who want you to die. These are sick people. And if you're on the same side of them on an issue, you should at least reconsider that you should at least consider the possibility that you're being duped. And I think that right now, we have the advantage. As bad as the last two years were, for everything that, you know, whatever good Western values there are have been undermined over the last two years. But I think one good fallout from that is what we're seeing right now, where it took a lot of even the most astute people in terms of their ability to see through bullshit, it took them at the beginning of COVID a little while to figure out what was going on. And there was a little bit of reluctance even still for maybe a month or two or three. But what we have going on right now is people overnight almost discerning this for what it is. And even though Personally, I said that Russia is definitely not going to invade. That was my point, and I'll take the L on that. I was wrong on that point. I was absolutely wrong on that point. Doesn't change the fact that it's a scam. It doesn't change the fact that it's a scam. It's similar to the idea that, like, look, when it comes to COVID, have they isolated and purified the virus? No. Does that mean there's not a virus? I don't know. It's suspicious. I don't know if it means that there's no virus, but 
The fact remains that whether or not there's a virus, it's still a scam either way. And whether or not there's an invasion into Ukraine, there is, I'm not denying that, doesn't change all of these factors that I can't, I can't just go, oh, you know what? Just this one time, I, George Soros is right, this one time. He's right on this. What are the odds? He's right this time, that George, that dirty dog. But I stand with George Soros. No, I won't. I won't do that. And look, what I'm saying is it's good. It's bad that we got scammed this bad for two years. It's bad that after all of that, people are eating up the new scam just like, like nothing happened. Just like nothing happened. They've learned nothing. But those of us who have learned are seeing this for what it is immediately, which is good. This whole truth movement, great awakening as they call it, is making us a lot it's making us a lot smarter in terms of combating all of this this great reset the great narrative which i still have to finish reading that's klaus schwab's new book and i got to report back to you on my findings <laughs> it's wild though. I've read like probably a hundred pages so far and it's like I highlight something on almost every page. It's going to be a long podcast. So look, there might not be that many of us, but I think there's a surprisingly large amount. I think it might be as many as 10% of the population who like fully get it. I'm talking American, but that might even be global. And that's really good. And we are like battle hardened. You want to talk, it's like that, it's like, look, who's going to be the better army? The army who's been at war already for a few years or the inexperienced soldiers? I mean, some people, look, if you fell for the COVID thing and you're still not out of that trap, I doubt that you're not falling for this Ukraine thing. That's why I mean it's the same people. But if you resisted this COVID thing, if you didn't get a vaccine and you went along with all the scrutiny, potentially losing your job, all of this. And now you're going into this Ukraine thing. It's like nothing. It's a joke. I mean, for now, things could become more serious. And even if they do, we'll know what's really going on, or at least what's really not going on, which is what they're telling us. Russian aggression. This is all about Russia. That's it. Case closed. You don't need any further information than that. Russia's bad. It's just Trump 3.0 because Trump 2.0 was Joe Rogan for two weeks, but they gave that up quick. Rogan's got to have Colonel uh, McGregor on. Not Conor McGregor, Colonel McGregor. Check him out. I was going to play a video from him maybe if we have time. So... We're battle-hardened. We just, we just give ourselves some credit, but let's not take too much time patting ourselves on the back because, look, we're right back into it. And this is the next item on the agenda, which is the collapse of the economic system. 
So let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about what the bigger picture is. But like I said, look, we, we just withstood the greatest attempted PSYOP and largely successful PSYOP, certainly of our lifetimes. And it even was bigger than 9-11 because it was global and it normalized the most anti, I don't want to say anti-democratic because it's not but the most anti-human, it normalized the most anti-human measures that I've ever seen taken, probably I think that have ever been taken. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but maybe in American history, I mean, they normalized the idea of locking down, locking people in their homes, closing businesses. This stuff can't be overstated. We can't just, something I was thinking about, and I talk about it a lot, is the idea of the mask. When I talk about the mask, I just try to, like, on top of the fact that it's, it doesn't work, that's less important. It's that it's degrading. That's why I don't like wearing a mask. It's because it's degrading. And just because someone else doesn't feel degraded by it doesn't make it not degrading. If I got a friend, Bill, who says, well, I don't like, okay, here, I don't, I'm Dave. This is Dave. I don't like being when someone spits in my face. If someone were to spit in my face, I would feel degraded. I would feel angry and degraded. That's a degrading thing to do to a person, to spit in their face. But then you got Ke Kevin, my buddy Kevin, and he goes, well, I, I don't feel degraded when someone spits in my face. It's not degrading. No, Kevin, it's still degrading. I just clearly am more sensitive to being degraded than you. You seem to have more, uh, you seem to not mind it so much. So when someone says to me as a counter, which they have, when I say, well, masks are degrading, they say, no, they're not degrading. I don't feel degraded wearing a mask. I go, that doesn't matter. Just because you don't feel degraded by it doesn't make it less degrading than it is. It's a muzzle. And it's also symbolically important, that muzzle aspect, because what happened to those of us who tried to speak out against this for the past two years. We were told to stop, you know, in various ways. And certainly on social media where they just kick you off or silence you, you know, like my, still to this day, my Instagram story reaches about 12 people. Maybe like, I was saying like at, at least, at least by bringing me down to the number 12, they make me feel like Jesus and my disciples, but it went from like 200, 250 on my stories to 12. So what is that symbolically? It's like muzzling me. I'm not trying to make, I mean, it's like, what's the, really the difference between 12 and 250? It's not that big of a difference. It's still a small number of reach either way, but you, I think you understand the point that I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for me. I don't care. It's fine. It's just Instagram. It's not a big deal, but it's the symbology, it's the, it's the muzzling, it's the muzzling, it's the shut up slave, put your mask on slave. So, oh, what was the point that I was going to get to though? It's about being degraded and the people's perception, it doesn't change the, the reality of what's going on. Hang on one sec. I was trying, I paused and I was trying to get my train of thought back and I honestly forgot the point that I was going to do. I'm sorry.
So I'm just going to keep going. We're going to continue. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was just normalizing the anti-humanness of the measures. That goal was accomplished, right? It was the implementation of the biosecurity state, as James Corbett calls it. This new paradigm in which the ever-present threat of uh, disease is ever-present. Did I just say ever-present twice? It's always lurking, always a new variant on the horizon, something to, to fear. Wash your groceries. Make sure you got extra hand sanitizer. Wear that mask. It was this whole new paradigm brought in. And that was what, when you look at what happened, you go, okay, we need to, we need to zoom out and we need to connect dots. If we can look at a more macro level, it makes the micro things easier to understand. It's like when people talked about, and you know, David Icke talks about this. But it's like when people were talking about things that were seemingly contradictory and that continued to happen, where people contradicting themselves. I'm, I'm not, I can't think of a specific one off the top of my head right now, but you saw it constantly where there would be contradictions and one week it's this way and the next week it's this way. It's always contradicting themselves. But then you start to realize that that's by design. It's like they don't care if they're hypocrites. None of these people care if they're hypocrites. I can't like... And I do it sometimes too, where I'm like, well, th- but that makes you a hypocrite. Like they don't care, dude. Like it's so, it's so unimportant to them, whether or not they're hypocritical. It doesn't even re- like, it's not even on their radar. They're not attempting to not be hypocrites. So why would you get mad at them if they were all of a sudden? They don't care. It's irrelevant. And in some cases it's by design where it's like, Confuse people, deliberately confuse people. Keep them in a state of fear, confusion, uncertainty. Anthony Fauci, wear the mask. No, wait, don't wear the mask. The mask don't work. No, wait, wear the mask. You have to wear the mask. I only said that because we didn't have enough masks. It was a noble lie. So, (laughs) it's fear, it's confusion, it's anger from people who disagree. Do you think Fauci cares that he was a hypocrite about that? Do you think Fauci cares about anything other than himself? Anyone who still thinks that, well, they're not listening to this podcast. But if you are, then you understand what I'm talking about. So we have to look macro level at this, what's going on here. And there's another thing that David Icke has said before, which is you have to look out for things that come out of nowhere and are all of a sudden everywhere. Because he says that's probably the cult. And he described these people as a cult. You know, um, what's his name? Curtis, uh, fuck, I forget his name. He calls it the cathedral. And Michael Malice uses that terminology as well. The deep state, some people call it. But it's really deeper than that. Because the deep state would usually what people think of is just the American bureaucratic elites. But this is bigger than that. This is global. So when something comes out of nowhere and is all of a sudden everywhere, that's something to look at. That's something to be concerned about as to its origin. And so here's what we need to think about. There, we just had the trucker, we just had the trucker thing happen. 
in Canada. And that was a white pill moment, or so I thought. But it's done now. And look, what did it accomplish, unfortunately? And I would have loved for it, like, I would have loved for this to truly be a sustaining white pill moment where we win, the little guy won. And the elites finally had to take the L. Well, what really happened? What was the fallout? The, the protest is over. A lot of trucks have been confiscated. Property has been confiscated. You got, you got, you know, certain of these um, premiers, you know, like the whatever, the provincial, the leaders of these provinces saying, well, we're going to just sell your truck and we're keeping the money. You've got people in jail uh, they, without bail. And they're just holding them indefinitely, facing sentences of up to 10 years for organizing this trucker protest. But what was the most important aspect of it? It was when Trudeau uh, invoked the Emergencies Act. And mind you, important point here, they didn't even invoke the Emergencies Act when 9-11 was going on. When it was still ongoing and there were still thousands of planes in the air. And multiple planes had hit the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. They did not invoke the Emergencies Act. But for this Fed, for this trucker convoy, you better believe they invoked the Emergencies Act. That's an important point. And what is the most important fallout of that decision? What were they doing to people? They were they were going after their bank accounts. Okay, and as soon as that started happening then it dawned upon me what this was about. Because if you're looking big picture, and you know that that's one of the items on the, on the list for the agenda, and it's high up, it's rethinking and reworking the entire economic system, the way people transact with one another. It also coincides with kicking the can down the road in, in terms of a global economic collapse, which, is, which can only be you know, pushed down the road, but can never be fully avoided. Because even if we reformed the monetary system, it would be a painful process. But right now we have a scam monetary system. But it works because they keep printing money to keep the thing afloat. And they need justifications for it. So that was another aspect of overall COVID. If you're looking big picture, they printed all the money. The multiple you know, bailout packages. The, uh, and where very little of that money actually went to people which is also not necessarily good because it does increase inflation. We pay that back. We're paying it back now, as you can tell. But, you know, at least it's taxpayer money going to actual people. But that was only a small sliver of it. Most of it went just right back into the system where it usually goes to banks and airlines and all these giant corporate entities. But so if you're looking micro, you're like, okay, there's an important part of this where there was a looming economic crisis. And what does that lead to? Now, someone you need to go watch, and I'll put a link to an interview in the description, is a gentleman named Edward Dowd, who I recently discovered. He's kind of on the scene a little bit. Um, and he's a former BlackRock executive, so I'm not saying he's a great guy. But he's coming at this from the financial perspective. And he's specifically talking about Pfizer and that they engaged in fraud. And he's fully convinced of this, as many of us are. Um, not only because we can see the fallout from the shots, 
but also because he said as soon as they said we need 75 years to release the safety data, he knew right then and there you wouldn't do that unless you had engaged in fraud. It's the only reasonable explanation, which I totally agree with. So what was going on before COVID happened? Well, as it always is, there's a looming financial crisis. And what happens when there's a true financial crisis collapse is it's not good. I mean, it is violent, potentially. Riots. And that's when you get the highest, that's where the highest potential outcome or that's where the potential outcome of a violent overthrowing of the government, or at least an attempt, is the highest. Because people have nothing to lose. <laughs> so even though the elites hate us, and they want us to own nothing and we'll be happy, even though that might be the case, they don't want it to go down like that. It's a controlled demolition. They can't just allow for a an organic collapse because they don't have as much control over it then. So what they need to do is create a pandemic, for example, because then what can you do? Well, you can certainly print a lot of money. I mean, you can shut down the economy, controlled de demolition. You could shut down small businesses. That was just a little bonus that they got to shut down people's small businesses. And then that, that factors back into the whole you will own nothing and you will be happy, universal basic income, things of that nature. So that was like a side piece, but the main course was the ability to print an obscene amount of money and put it into circulation to stave off an economic collapse that might result in very angry citizens <clears throat> taking a sip so then when we look at what happened with the truckers they invoke the emergencies act okay that is fucked up and people should have been way more mad about that than whatever Russia is doing in Ukraine even if what the news is telling you is true even if what Fox is telling you is true about Ukraine or what MSNBC is telling you is true about Russia. Even if that's true, even if the worst possible interpretation of what is going on is true with regards to Putin and how evil he is, what just happened in Canada is still worse. Unequivocally, it's not even close. So as soon as they start going after people's bank accounts and going after, you know, GoFundMe and then Give, Send, Go, confiscating people's money, bullying these people, and, and getting the banks and the, you know, processors like MasterCard and stuff to go along with it. That was the point. So then when you're looking at it macro, you're like, oh, I don't know if this trucker convoy was a PSYOP. I don't know if it was an inside job. I don't know if it was organic. And it sure seemed organic, but either way, the government took advantage of it. They turned it from a potential disaster for them into a potential disaster for us, where this is the point that I was gonna say earlier. Did we see this a lot? 
ever in your life, try to think back. Did we see this a lot going after people's bank accounts, shutting down people's bank accounts? Did we see that a lot? Because I don't remember seeing that a lot. I don't remember ever seeing that. And now what are they talking about in Russia? Oh, we're going to shut down Putin's bank account. All these oligarchs were shutting down their bank accounts. Well, where'd that come from? And now it's everywhere. And what, when will that end? It won't. And what's the point of that? Well, it's hard to tell at this point, but it seems to me if you're going to cut off Russia from the Western banking system, then where are they going to go? To China. Okay, and what does that open the door for? It opens the door for the United States currency to no longer be the world reserve currency. I'm not saying that the United States is entitled to have their currency be the world currency, but if you're thinking about this from a globalist perspective, from a globalist perspective, and wanting to usher in some sort of global government or at least gigantic regional governments such as the case in like 1984 for example where you have like three gigantic nation states instead of a bunch you then the the united states is a problem and what is one of the reasons why people have always been wrong when they say oh this economic collapse it's coming it's coming what's one of the reasons they've been wrong about that is that the United States currency is still the world's reserve currency. It makes it very resilient because every nation in the world uses it as a medium of exchange. So when you push Russia toward China, that potentially creates a powerful alliance. And if they start saying, well, we can't do this, we can't um, operate in their banking system any longer, we have to make our own, and they're going to make their own. And that becomes a rival to the U.S. currency as a world reserve currency. And that undercuts the United States long term, of course. And it kind of like levels things out a bit more. I mean, look, also the other thing about these globalists, when you listen to Klaus Schwab speak, does his vision for the future sound like more like the United States, or does it sound more like China? And so who would probably be a better point man for their system? Do you think it would be the U.S., or do you think it would be China? Seems like, it seems like China, right? So we got to be looking at this and seeing for what it is. I don't know if it was a PSYOP, the, the trucker convoy, but they attained this end that was a part of their agenda, and they checked the box. Okay, banking system, that's fair game now. People's bank accounts, that's fair game now. And if you, if you don't, like, if you think, oh, well, they won't get out of my bank account, they'll go after Vladimir Putin's. Why wouldn't they go after yours? How much money does he have? How much money do you have? How powerful is he? How powerful is you? But they'll go after him. Do they care if they're escalating tensions? in an already ongoing conflict that could lead to a wider conflict involving NATO, which would be a complete disaster, they don't care. So why wouldn't they shut down your bank account for saying, hey, I don't really know if uh, Russia's the bad guy here. I, maybe there's two bad guys. That's kind of where I'm, that's where I'm, from where I'm at, 
I kind of view it like maybe there's two bad guys, but at least I could totally see where the Russians are coming from. And I was familiar with the idea that, like, with, with the fact that we had orchestrated a coup there in, in 2014, which I don't know if I talked about that in the last episode, but we're as much to blame for this as they are, if not more so. I mean, they had a government that was more pro-Russia, or at least not that anti-Russia, and we said that's not going to fly. And anyone knows anyone who knows anything about modern American history in the last 70 years, it's that when we don't like a democratically elected government, you know, whether it's corrupt or otherwise, it doesn't even have to be democratic. It doesn't matter. But when we don't like a government, we just swap it with one that we do like. We've done this many, many times. Ukraine was just the latest. Sip. <clears throat> I got one for you. And here's some moral. I like doing this. Like, I like giving you guys ammo. Because I like when I f- can figure out things to kind of judo people. Um, especially when it comes to moral arguments. And you remember when we talked about people being like, there's people dying. You should be want to give up your freedom. And then the obvious moral counter is, well, didn't our grandfathers fight and die in wars to give us those freedoms that you're willing to give up? Easy moral judo. That's what we'll call it. It's moral judo. Oh, yeah, by the way, I want to say, I don't stand with Ukraine. I still stand with COVID. I stand with COVID. That's what I'm going to call the episode title. So I wanted to just say that. Because everyone say, I stand with Ukraine. I'm like, it's a distraction. I stand with COVID because that's still the main problem here. And they're just going to forget about it like nothing happened. Like, they, we can't do that. And there was just a new batch of documents dropped by about Pfizer and their FDA approval. Like, those documents, just a new batch just got dropped. And it, it literally happened like an hour ago. So I'm not able to tell you about it yet. But... I know that there's nine pages of, uh, of adverse reactions, nine pages uh, within those documents. So anyway, let's talk moral judo. What's going on in Ukraine and everyone says, well, Russia's evil. And, and this guy, Zelensky, the president of uh, Ukraine is a hero. He's a hero, right? And so they circulate these photos of him like, in the separatist regions from like April, 2021. And they make it seem like he's out there right now in the battlefield. Like, I don't know where the guy is or what he's doing. I know there was the video of him like signing, uh, basically like an application to become a member of the European union. So I think that was real, but I mean, it was like, it looked staged and stuff, but it was like, it, it was him. It was there. I think it was from this week. He's such a hero. He's such a hero. What a, what a brave leader. So first of all, and, and this isn't even as important. He did throw people, I mean, it's important. He did throw people, political opponents and journalists in jail uh, when he was first elected. So let's just keep that in mind. The dude was a comedic actor before he became the president. So he's a clown. But, uh, Here's the most important part. And I wasn't able to confirm this until I'm, as far as I know, this is confirmed. 
because I think even like the Polish are are um, complying with this order. So basically, by decree, the hero Zelensky said, if you are a Ukrainian male between 18 and 60, you cannot leave the country. Okay. So by decree, if you are a Ukrainian man, 18 to 60 years old, you cannot leave the country. So that's something that a hero does, right? That's something that a hero does. I mean, to me, if that's true, which as far as I can tell, and I know that that's like a uh, caveat or, you know, whatever, I could, I could be, be a uh, juice snake about it later and be like, well, it was as far as I knew. I wasn't totally sure. I've seen that reported in multiple places and even by people that I listen to who are trustworthy, okay? Not just MSM. If that's true, that's the worst thing either side has done. Russia has not done something worse than that. Because what you're saying is you've taken millions of hostages. I don't know how many men there are in Ukraine from 18 to 60. I believe in Ukraine there's about 40 million people. So 18 to 60-year-old men... That must be at least, what do you think, 7 million, 8 million, 10 million, something like that? So he's taken 7 million hostages. Let's be conservative and say 7 million. He's taken 7 million hostages. And a lot of them, most of them, overwhelming majority of them are untrained soldiers. And he wants them to fight the Russian military. They can't leave the country. They have to pick up arms and fight. So if... Russia goes full-blown because it appears that they've been rather subdued and they've been trying to avoid. (laughs) Because people are saying, oh, no, the Russians, they've been overwhelmed by the Ukrainian defenses. No, they haven't. They're just not trying to inflict absolute destruction, which they're capable of doing. That, to me, seems obvious. I mean, are you kidding me? They're not using all of these capabilities that they have. Why do you think that? Well, first of all, in the eastern parts of Ukraine, that they want to take over or at least make independent republics, they don't want to spend a bunch of time rebuilding that. But, you know, regardless, they're not trying to indiscriminately murder civilians like the United States does when we do our invasions. They're actually approaching this in a more subdued manner. But if, if the Russia truly unleashes the full force of its military, then these Ukrainian hostages, which that's what they are, they're men, but they're hostages, are going to die. A lot of them are going to die. But, but Zelensky's a hero, right? So look, just keep that in your back pocket in case someone tries to put you into a... Into, it tries to, you know, step on your morality. Just hit them with a little moral judo. And tell them to eat dicks because nothing that's happened so far is worse than that. That's the worst thing that's happened. You're telling millions of men you're not allowed to leave the country that may potentially be annihilated by a powerful army. You can't leave. You have to stay and help fight because I don't want to lose and look bad. I mean, that's what this is. This isn't about honor. There's no honor in war. There hasn't been honor in war since the 1700s, okay? 
We don't do honor in war anymore. You know, if you can shoot someone with a sniper rifle from a mile away, that's not an honorable thing. If you have to look them in the eye and kill them with a sword, I suppose you can you could say that there's some degree of honor there. But we don't fight honorable wars. There's nothing honorable about what's going on. Anyone who tries to tell you otherwise is being an idiot. So there's no honor. This is ego. And Zelensky doesn't want to back down and look weak to Russia. Like he caved. And he's probably getting, a, I don't blame him solely, he's probably getting tons of pressure behind the scenes from NATO and from the United States being like, don't be a pussy, dude. I mean, they're not saying that. But that's what they're implying. You can't just, you can't just lay down. You got to stand up. So then Zelensky goes, okay, well, I'm a hero. Let me take 7 million hostages and make them fight. These people don't want to fight a war. If they want to stay, then they can stay and they can fight. You can't hold them hostage, but that's what he's done. It's the worst thing anyone's done in this conflict so far. Okay. So don't even try to say otherwise. People are so full of shit, man. That was a sip of water. Oh, goodness, dude. And then, you know, so I want to get back to big picture stuff before we close this out. When, when Trudeau, bringing it back to Canada, lifted the Emergencies Act, they kept in place the ability to shut down people's bank accounts, including crowdfunding websites for anti-terrorism, okay? And that's when you realize that was the point. That's how we know now. That was the point. They invoke the Emergencies Act. Okay, we don't need it anymore. But we're keeping these two little things. No big deal. That's what it was about. When we're looking at the Ukraine-Russia thing, we have to keep in mind the macro stuff. Russia is being pushed toward China. China is watching what's playing out in Russia with regards to what they want to do with Taiwan. And they're seeing Russia being sanctioned by the United States and by the NATO nations. And they're probably saying, okay, let's rethink this. This is going to be an obstacle. What do we do? We need to formulate our own kind of international banking system with our allies. And so that's what they'll work on in the meantime before they decide to move on Taiwan, probably. But that's what the bigger picture is. And if this is all orchestrated by some, you know, lizards in a boardroom somewhere, then it makes sense. Because as all of this goes on, all of this chaos, you just see boxes getting checked. Biosecurity state, check. mRNA vaccines, genetic manipulation, check. Uh, battling misinformation or anything we label as misinformation, check. Shutting down people's bank accounts, check. Transitioning to a new economic system that's all digital. No check yet, but things certainly seem to be headed that way. So just keep in mind the, the check boxes. Who wins no matter what? And it's like, how does this, like, how do we suffer if Russia takes over parts of eastern Ukraine and makes Ukraine become neutral, similar to Switzerland? 
become a neutral nation without a military? Does, that hurts our interests? That hurts the United States? Why should you care about this? These are relevant questions. That's all I got for now. But I had received multiple messages from multiple people being like, what do you think about... Because that's the point I was going to make very early in the episode that I forgot to make. And I'm not taking personal credit because I've just been listening to people who are smart and people who have been suppressed. And that's what you got to like learn to do if you want to kind of be ahead of the curve on some of this stuff or know things to be a little bit more intuitive with your ability to discern what's happening in real time. A lot of what I've said on this podcast and a lot of what's been said on the podcast that I listen to has come to pass and has become true. And a lot of that's come out this year in the past, especially in 2022, but even at the end of 2021, a lot of it's coming out. I'm going to put that link to Edward Dowd because I wanted to talk about him, but and what he says, but maybe I'll just put the link and you can watch it. And then I'll probably maybe talk about that on the next episode. But that's why I think people, and I'm, I'm like, it makes me happy because I'm like, good. It's then that's a good sign because now people it's unrelated. That was all biosecurity state stuff. It's seemingly unrelated because now this isn't geopolitical conflict. It's seemingly unrelated, but it's related. And we know it is. And I just went over why it is. And not fully, but at least we're peeling back the layers a little bit. So I appreciate people now asking, what do you think's going on here? Because there's a degree of trust. You build trust with people. We're building credibility. So if you... It's like, I know it's tricky to talk about this stuff. It really is tricky to talk to people about this stuff. But if you have opportunities to do it in a way that's a soft touch, or if you find people who are open-minded and and won't give you much pushback on it, then you should, you know, speak your piece, say what you think. Because if it turns out that that was correct, then you gain credibility with people. And this will all factor into us being better able to counteract the massive psychological operations and propaganda campaigns. Because it's got to be, what do we have? Just things like this, like little podcasts, some bigger podcasts, as long as they're still out there. And then they get taken down, and then they're just on their website, and it's fine. You can still get them, but... You know what I'm saying? It's like, anyway, I just wanted to say that's cool. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that uh, the credibility gains are persisting uh, into another, into another realm that is, as I said, seemingly unrelated, but people are curious. Um, but that's all, that's all for me. And, uh, you know, this is Dave. This is Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave, and I love you. And thank you for listening. Okay. I'll see you next time. Bye.